so far for the blasting through a ceiling in a record-setting IPO. Investors who have been riding the wave. When the stock market is booming, we're made to believe the economy is booming. As the stock market goes, so goes the wealth and the health and economy. So what exactly is the stock market measuring? Ninety-eight point four Capital FM. Good evening. It is Tuesday, the fifth of December, and we are here for the financial forecast. A show that seeks to delve into matters economy, finance, and money matters. Nyamburando alongside Ken Gishinga, Chief Economist, Mentoria Economics, and uh, Ken. We come to the end of a beautiful, dramatic, quite eventful year. <laughs> We are finally in December. How are you? How have you been? It's always great to see you, Nyambura. And uh, indeed, December is here. Yeah. The last month of the year of a very dramatic year. <laughs> I think we've seen everything. I, I don't know if there's anything we've not seen. We have seen wars, <laughs> unfortunately. Mm. We have seen taxes and more taxes. Uh, we have seen the economy struggle. We have seen job losses. Uh, what what are the upsides? <laughs> you're very quick to mention the downsides. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you're right. It, 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 it really has been a challenging 2023. And for a lot of people, mm -hmm. uh, it couldn't have come sooner, faster. So indeed, um, I think it's a good time to review the year mm -hmm. to see what have been the highlights, uh, the lowlights. Uh, and more importantly, what are the projections next year? And we are seeing some interesting reports coming out with a variety of projections, which we shall get into. Yeah. Uh, what are you up to for the month of December? <laughs> well, in Nyambura, December is my birthday month. Oh, is it? Yes. And uh, for me, this will be a long weekend because it's on Monday. So I'll combine the weekend and because Tuesday is Jamhuri Day. So I'll combine it all. You know, we were given, I don't know if it was a, a national uh, talk and we were told we need to start dressing down until Monday, you know, in preparation for Jamhuri Day. So are you ready with your attire? <laughs> also, I can Sorry. tell you what is going to be happening this weekend. So uh, Capital FM is having a beach party at Diani Reef. Oh, wow. So if at all it is your birthday weekend, I can tell you the one place you need to be at is down at the coast, at Diani, Diani Reef. Sounds uh, very tempting. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that, but <laughs> thanks for adding to the options. You know, I tell you, we are the home <laughs> of entertainment and information. We always have the plan. So that is the plan for the weekend. Great. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing you there. So you're listening to us at 98.4 Capital FM, and you can catch us online at www.capitalfm.co.ke slash listen live. We value your comments, your feedback, your questions. You can reach us on our WhatsApp line, 0701-984-984, and our socials, Facebook, X at Capital FM, hashtag financial forecast. Now, as you set in and start your week, you can take time and get your weekly report every Monday by subscribing to www.mentoria.co.ke. Ken, did we have a black November for the weekly global report. 
<laughs> Actually, we, uh, we didn't. It <laughs> remains <laughs> as it is. Uh, but yeah. obviously, um, the attempt there is to ensure that particularly business executives yeah. on a Monday morning are uh, updated with the latest and greatest. Because it's quite a bit uh, happening. Almost yeah. every day, there's a new development. So we really have to track the new reports yeah. and really, more importantly, digest them to what it might mean um, for economic outlook. And for the week, as we even begin, you know, one thing we realize is by the time it's Monday, you had a forecast. By the time it's Wednesday, a tax has been added or something has been <laughs> declared unconstitutional. So it is absolutely very important to get uh, the weekly report and just get to know what is happening in the markets. I mean, we also discussed how important some of these uh, forecasts are because as a global market and the economy, information is always power. So thank you for giving us and feeding us with information every single Monday morning. So Financial Forecast is proudly sponsored by Exness. Exness is the world's largest retail broker, now licensed in Kenya. So you can trade Forex, gold, oil, stocks, and indices online, all from the palm of your hand. With the Exness app available in Google Play and the Apple Play Store. Exness is proudly licensed by the Capital Markets Authority in Kenya and provides you with the security that your funds are safe and accessible 24-7, free deposits and withdrawals. Remember, only local, locally licensed brokers can ensure your money is safe. You can register at www.xness.ke and through the Xness apps today. Can I actually join? Uh, I downloaded the app. I don't know if you've had time to do that. I haven't had a chance, <laughs> but uh, I'm really looking forward to playing around with it. Yeah. So you'll join over the half a million traders worldwide who trade with the edge on the edge with Xness. Terms and conditions apply, and we are going to get our market report brought to us by Xness. Good day, and welcome to Market Updates with yourself, Terence Ho, Senior Market Strategist over at International Brokerage Firm Xness. Markets have entered a risk-on, meaning that they are becoming very bullish with regards to the future outlook. This has been primarily driven by expectations that the U.S. Fed is likely to cut rates early in 2024, leading other central banks to likely start cutting rates earlier on. Though most of last week, U.S. Fed officials, including other central banks such as the European Central Bank officials, did indicate that it was still premature to start talking about cutting interest rates. However, expectations remain as markets have even started pricing that. And that has really resulted in the rallying of the price of gold, which has hit over the 2,100 mark, which was a key resistance level. This has seen the US dollar also wobbling and weakening against most major, major currencies, including other emerging market currencies as well. The outlook in the week ahead remains focused at the US non-farm payroll data that's expected on Friday. The data is expected to show an uptick in US labor market as the UWA strike, which was the key motor industry strike for March of 2023, has been finally resolved. So these jobs coming back into the market are seen as to be a big contributor to the uptick at the coming 2023 November NFP data later this Friday. So please be on the lookout for this data. Happy trading and bye for now.
can. So I think we have a way forward. We are trading in gold. <laughs> <laughs> if that is what I've gotten, then we are happy to get all this by trading with Xness. What has been your pick in the markets and uh, the market report? Um, well, definitely gold seems to be benefiting um, from macroeconomic events. Mm-hmm. Um, yields on U.S. Treasuries are low. Um, everybody's expecting rate cuts um, to start uh, beginning next year. Yeah. Um, so uh, obviously that makes the dollar less attractive. So definitely the dollar, you know, hitting that uh, 2100 mark, you know, yeah. that uh, resistance level, uh, it tells us a lot about where investors are putting their money. Uh, but I think there also should be a sense of caution. And I think the OECD issued its own report. Yeah. And really the message there was take caution. Everybody is talking of interest rate cuts next year, but they are a bit less optimistic about this. They expect uh, 2024 to be somewhat of a slowdown than a rebound in 2025. So pretty much they are playing on the other spectrum, really right. saying take caution, watch the markets, uh, let's not get excited as much as everybody is as excited as it is. Mm. So I think it's an important report that uh, people should um, also refer to as they build their strategy for next year. Yeah. Ken, you have mentioned the OECD. Who is that? <laughs> <laughs> no, no good question. And every time you look at reports, they only say the OECD average yeah. and nobody ever tells us what it is. Mm. But it really stands for the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, uh-huh. really founded in the 60s to be able to coordinate economic policy and promote trade. The idea was to be able to exchange best practice okay. amongst countries. And the membership is pretty much the wealthy countries, what you'd call the developed world. Mm. So the 38 members are really, you know, your U.S., your Australia's, pretty much countries that are ranked um, high in GDP. And they use it as a platform for comparing practices. So you'll notice a lot of economic papers. They tend to have a lot of research anchored on OECD, right. especially when they're comparing with developing countries just to be able to see what's the benchmark so it's the technical word for the wealthy okay club and of nations getting such information from them uh, saying that we need to be wary you know it's it's quite a very heavy term and i think we've also discussed in previous shows how sentimental markets can always be and we have seen how interest rates have been on a hike the whole of this year and we had anticipated come end of December, early January, this is going to change. So is that a different opinion? Well, I think for them it's more of duration. If you listen to like the Xness commentary we've had and most of the market out there, people are already talking about interest rates in the US um, being cut by Q1, uh-huh. which if you look at five, six episodes ago, mm. we were talking of Q4 next exactly, year. Yeah. So it's being brought closer and closer. And what the OECD is telling us is we've had inflation is still a challenge. Interest rates are still high. And that in those interest rates will uh, have a drag on economic growth. Yeah. So the this bullishness that has been playing around in the market for the last one, two weeks, I think they took it, it could be a bit more premature. Should probably work with next summer in terms of maybe the first indicator. So I think for them, it's just to remind the markets that 
we are coming end of, uh, of a tough year mm-hmm. and the beginning of next year might not be as easy as rosy as we expect mm-hmm. and those interest rate cuts might not come as quickly so i think it's really more of a cautionary tale yeah. if any well can you know what is ironic is that the report also notes that the us economy has grown at an even stronger pace than previously indicated on third quarter how how is it what information is being picked up there that is different from what the OECD is seeing? Yeah, that's interesting. <coughs> you know, when you talk about the GDP in the U.S., it tends to be a bit different from the rest of the world. They typically have almost three bites of the cherry. <laughs> they have the first estimate, yeah. the second estimate, and the third estimate. Okay. So the first estimate uh, was at 4.9%. Mm-hmm. The second one was at 52 And somebody would ask, what has changed? And yeah. it's because new information has oh, come in. Right. Mostly in the real estate segment, what they call the non-fixed investments. So new information comes in. So they refine that Q3 number. So you'd find every quarter, there are almost three Q3, readings okay. of it just based on it. So obviously the last reading is always the most accurate yeah. because it, it contains. Up. And what uh, the market, what the US is saying is the second estimate of the third quarter, <laughs> it gets confusing, mm-hmm. is at 5.2%. So it's, doing it, it's doing remarkably well. Yeah. It's what they call a soft landing. And even the OECD, in all its pessimism, it's saying they still expect America to do much better than Europe, than other parts of the world. So the American economy, across all the analysts who are looking at it, is expected to come out of this um, situation uh, faster mm. and in better shape than uh, its European counterparts. Yeah, be- yeah. because I was actually reading that for Europe, they anticipate that uh, the Bank of England is going to hold the benchmark rate. So we are not going to be probably seeing a, a, a rate drop in England, but mostly what in the Americas? Is that that's it, basically? Uh, indeed. So a lot of the European banks want to have their cuts before the U.S., <laughs> they want to do it before the U.S. Okay. So if uh, the expectation that the U.S. will do it in Q1, mm-hmm. many of them will actually want to start uh, doing it now. Uh, That's interesting. Uh, but overall, these economies have been suffering from very weak growth. They have. Uh, Germany is pretty much almost in a recession. Uh, most of the other countries are doing very, very weak growth. So for mm-hmm. them, getting out of this uh, dilemma is actually more urgent than in the United States. Their jobs numbers are worse than in the United States. So I think there's a big push to make sure Europe doesn't fall behind uh, much, much more than it needs to. And I know we are, um, I think as we speak, there is the employment report that is coming out from the US. Uh, We shall get information from it, I think, and we'll discuss it in the show next week but last week we also looked at the consumer what is it the consumer (laughs) uh, uh, let me let me get this straight the other one we were looking at (laughs) the consumer if at all the consumer is happy right and then this other one was looking at the consumer if at all they're actually able to feed pull up what they were able to buy and their basket is still the same. That is right. 
No, you're catching on very nicely. Uh, we talked about the consumer confidence, which captures sentiment. Yes. Uh, then later on, we talked about the personal consumption expenditures, which really looks at you know stripping out fuel, stripping out uh, gas, yeah. really coming out to what the things you consume, you know, your eggs, your butter, mm. all these things, they're captured in there. And those numbers have held steady. So to your point, this week is actually the real, the jobs numbers. Right. This is really what matters. Uh, so today we have the employment numbers coming out. In fact, as we speak, mm. they're being released. But more importantly, on Friday, uh, what on the XNES they refer to as the NFP, that stands for the non-farm payrolls. That's Those numbers are extremely important, yeah. and they feed into next week's monetary policy. So next week, the Fed makes that big decision, mm -hmm. which we have all forecasted yeah. will be uh, to retain. Yeah. But the numbers that will come out this week, the jobs numbers, will be really what will feed into that decision. So that's why I keep saying, really, it's so important we make jobs at the heart of our economic planning because everybody keeps asking, what do you mean by a healthy economy? Right. One of our leaders said our economy has stabilized. <laughs> you know, what does that really mean? Yeah. So we need to clarify that a good economy is one that creates jobs. Okay. And we need to be able to measure jobs and the benefit is today also the Bureau of Statistics, and we'll talk about when we get to Kenya, yeah. released the statistical abstract. So we have sort of a high level mm. of how the jobs market here in Kenya is. That's and the question is, will it feed into our policy? Will it feed into today's monetary policy? Because today the central bank meets. Uh, I know we'll talk about that yes. um, slightly later. Okay. Uh, um, we have much lined up for the local team because... We, we've also seen some quite interesting information in today's big dailies about how, you know, the economy, as we have said, and how can we measure it? One of the industry key players who rarely feel the effect. Okay, let's, no, let's not say rarely. But who feel the effect and when their, their side feels the effect of the economy slumping, there's an issue. And we have seen that today. So let's look at the commodities. Gold, as uh, we heard from our markets report, is absolutely very up. So I think we also discussed it last week. And uh, it is in contrast to the interest rates, which have held steady. But um, does this have any other effect on, on things that we are seeing? Um, energy, as usual, is all up. Agriculture up and down nothing much has happened not much has changed but also the markets are a bit were a bit red i think uh, trading now has now started happening so what's your outlook yeah, indeed i think the commodities will benefit from a low interest rate environment if what the market is seeing is uh, we expect next year to see interest rate cuts it means demand mm. will pick up and we'll start seeing demand in the agricultural commodities if you look at the Chicago wheat futures, uh, they've done extremely well. It's mm. almost on a high because of its trade with China. So you'll find the agricultural commodities, the metallic ones that, that are tied. But also remember China's economic outlook also really, really uh, defines most of the commodities, particularly the metals, the coppers, because China is the biggest importer <laughs> of the metals because of its, its electrical vehicle um, campaign and, and its construction. Palladium. So, and, and, <laughs> and palladium, yes. <laughs> I'm, gl I'm glad you, 
you, you caught that. Yeah, but yeah. you know, the Chinese property market is in a mess right now. Yeah. Um, to what extent can it continue um, gobbling mm. up resources? Um, yeah. So th- those are the dynamics that will tend to affect really, particularly the metallic, uh, meta- the metallic um, commodities. commodities. But I expect, generally speaking, uh, we should start seeing those numbers building up as global demand starts picking up into next year. And since you have talked about the agricultural commodities, especially wheat, I can tell you one thing that is happening within Africa is that Zimbabwe is having a very different outlook of their El Nino and uh, reading on the weekly report by Mentori is that they are having a situation where they, they are having low production because of drought. So in as much as we always look at El Nino is going to be too much rain. So we are having other parts which are having less rain. And we can see this is also affecting the agricultural sector within Africa. Indeed. You know, Nyambura, when we talk about El Nino, uh, for a lot of Kenyans, it's the memory of 1997. Those huge yes. floods that yes. came, those Nairobi flies, yes. you oh remember them? Oh my gosh, I remember the Nairobi flies. Oh, exactly. So a lot of people assume El Nino is heavy rain. Mm-hmm. But what El Nino really means, actually scientific, it just means a change in the surface temperatures of water. And that could play out in different ways. In some areas, it could mean heavy rain, like we saw uh, in the late 90s. Uh, in areas like in Zimbabwe, as you've said, it actually means a drought. Mm-hmm. So Zimbabwe's agriculture sector, which is the backbone yeah. of its economy, is actually <coughs> pricing in uh, a poor crop next year just because of a drought. Yeah. So I think it's fascinating when you step out of Kenya and look at uh, how El Nino mm-hmm. plays out in different parts. In Latin America, it plays out mm-hmm. in different way. In India, it's monsoons. So it plays out. Uh, so we have to uh, not always could assume it means floods. It could mean so many things yeah. to so many different countries. And in Zimbabwe, which is you know very much within Africa, it's 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 a whole different. It's a drought condition. And they are thinking, how will we get enough food for Zimbabweans mm-hmm. uh, to be able to cater within that drought? So it's ex- extremely fascinating um, outlook there. I know we also discussed about rice uh, some time and such countries that are growing the east that uh, mostly produce rice were also having very low returns okay uh, because of el nino on that side was definitely more rain isn't it absolutely the indias the east asias um the monsoons actually mix uh, with el nino so it creates a very some very fierce storms and uh you know countries like nepal sri lanka that are very have all this paddy yeah paddy farms for rice definitely they are definitely affected Mm, those ones are affected now moving away from agriculture but still within the continent um you know we have seen quite a lot happening within last week and this week interestingly as the oecd is giving a warning fdb is also giving a very fragile outlook for 2024 and it has slashed um, the growth outlook from 4.3 down to 3.8. <laughs> <laughs> Can you're laughing. 
Why? You know, Nyambura, somebody will be asking, how many outlooks? Like, wow, there are many. Yeah. Everybody has an outlook. <laughs> the IMF, we've talked about the World Bank, uh, totally. the OECD, yeah. the ADB, uh-huh. the Mentoria outlook. The Mentoria. <laughs> uh, oh, and the financial and focus. And the financial focus, <laughs> indeed. Yeah. And for me, if I'm a business executive, uh, because at the end of the day, the, it comes down to the business executive who is compiling a strategy mm-hmm. for his company. Mm-hmm. That's where it re- hits the real world. Yeah. And I think it's a good CFO or a good head of strategy mm-hmm. needs to look at all these indicators. Um, to Africa, yes, it's the ADB. They're talking about um, that slashing growth. Yeah. Most of that is uh, Central Africa mm-hmm. because of the wars in Gabon, really what's happening in DRC. But if you look at the East Africa component, it's still considered a bright spot. So yes, um, this might affect the global mm-hmm. Pan-African market. Yeah. But if you look at Rwanda, Uganda, Tanzania, Kenya, yeah. they're still within the five percent range and expected to grow okay. um, quite, um, quite, quite, aggr- um, quite n- not aggressively, but quite reasonably. Quite. Okay. Um, so yes, one has one has to be able to connect. Now somebody will ask, we have the Africa continental free trade. These will be the markets that Kenya is planning to sell its products. Right. So if those markets are not doing well. Is there mm-hmm. a realistic expectation yeah. of us exporting? Now, those are good questions, but we are not yet there. Most of our export markets are still within our neighbors, the Ugandas, yeah. um, actually the Europe's, the US. Uh, you know, we actually export more to those yeah. that to West Africa. So mm-hmm. I think as we are formulating strategy, one has to take these reports and be able to really digest it to what it actually means. And not just by country, but also by sector. By sector. Because you can have a country that is doing poorly. You can go to DRC, yeah. and it's maybe, overall it's doing poorly, mm-hmm. but the mining sector could yes. be booming. Booming. Yeah, Agriculture cobalt. Not, yeah. Exactly. So one has to be very, very meticulous and not just take things at the high level. Okay. Because um, part of the report read that the real GDP growth is set to fall uh, to 3.4 from 4%. And when they say real GDP, can <laughs> what are those aspects that you're talking about? Well, that's a very powerful question, Yambura, and it, it comes up very qui- frequently in economics, mm-hmm. not just in GDP, but also interest rates. Yes. Uh, people ask, what is real GDP mm-hmm. versus nominal? Yes. So the way they calculate GDP, it's pretty much... Uh, multiplication of two important variables. I can see you're attempting to write <laughs> such a true economist. <laughs> so, so, so pretty much GDP stands for the gross domestic product. Yes. This is the total value mm-hmm. of goods and services. Now, how do you arrive at that value? You have to mm-hmm. multiply volumes mm-hmm. and prices. So let's say T. You'll mm-hmm. say we had... Uh, 100 megatons of tea right and the price of tea at that point was x amount 20. Mm-hmm. so the gdp is that multiplication uh, right. so nominal really looks at uh with the prices but real controls for inflation okay so somebody can say yes but tea prices have gone up but because of inflation so you have that's you have to report so normally what you report is a nominal because okay. it talks about the current oh, the price what you would sell exactly in in an ideal market actually when you remove inflation so you remove the inflationary impact so okay. when you talk about like real interest rates yeah like today we'll say the 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 the, the infrastructure bond yeah is yielding at 18 percent mm-hmm. inflation is at five six percent 
So the real interest rate is 18, 18. minus 6, mm -hmm. which is 12. Okay. So real tends to subtract um, inflation from its computations mm -hmm. and gives you a much better um, estimate of, 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 of the reality. Because sometimes, you know, we're coming from a situation where inflation was 9, 10%. Yeah. So it really distorts uh, a lot of things. Okay. So you could be getting returns of 12% on a project but mm. when you the discount deal. 10, yeah. you're only getting a real of 2%. 2%. So it's very, very, that's why economists try to measure both real and uh, nominal. Both are quite important. Let me tell you, Ken, I think uh, I, I need to look at my pricing model come 2024. Because <laughs> 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 we're having a real. <laughs> 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 Compete your real <laughs> wages. <laughs> yeah, uh, in, yeah, I need uh, net net of taxes mostly. <laughs> Let's take a quick break and we shall be right back. Welcome back. 98.4 Capital FM Financial Forecast with myself, Nyambura Ndungo, and alongside Ken Gishinga, Chief Economist, Mentoria Economics. Ken, while we were on break, something very interesting happened, and we have received the MPC report that we were waiting for. What has been, what, what, what has been your takeaway? Very, very fascinating read, Nyambura, and yeah. indeed, uh, we get the opportunity to look at it real time Tell you. Uh, as it comes out. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, this might come as a surprise to a lot of people. I know it's actually surprising people, but if you go back three, four episodes ago, yeah. uh, this is what actually I had predicted would happen. As so true to financial <laughs> forecast, <laughs> the economies that you are. Uh -huh. So, and I can see a lot of people, there's a lot of activity on social media. Yeah. So, the net decision is the central bank rate has been increased by 200 basis points. Right. Let me get this straight. So, as we had predicted, the interest rate has actually been increased. <laughs> okay. And if you go back to that episode, three, four episodes ago, I yeah. said this would be a very difficult decision. Totally. And I said this would be actually Kamautuge's biggest day. Because it's not an it's a it's not a popular decision uh, to do that. So pretty much uh, you can download it, but essentially they have increased interest rates, uh, the central yeah. bank rate, and obviously they have all their reasons. But if you go back three episodes ago, yeah, uh, I talked about the situation with the currency, mm -hmm. and I said our currency is um, sliding too quickly. Yes, in fact, banks are holding on almost. Uh, 960 billion mm. in terms mm. of dollars. But we were told our currency is also overvalued. We were told that. Right. And there was a feeling, at that time I remember, there was that question is how do you release these dollars mm -hmm. into, the, into market? the market? Exactly. Because they're all stashed. Banks are holding them? Almost 900. It was actually on the business daily headline yesterday, about 960B. Right. And investors, we are, we are moving towards the dollarized economy. And there right. was that difficult question of if yeah. we continue going in that direction and the currency keeps sliding, yeah. our debt payments will continue Increase. increasing. Mm -hmm. uh, every time we move by a shilling, right. we almost the cost yeah. go up by 45 billion. Wow. And if you go back to that episode, we said 
CBK had to do something very drastic. And right. by drastic was that to not just marginally increase interest rates, but dramatically, so that the returns, the dollars, start uh, flowing back. Back into the market. Actually, the people start converting the dollars back in, in, into shillings. shillings. And remember that I said it would be a very unpopular, but that was actually needed because if you look at the debt payments, uh, the way they are moving, they're overwhelming the economy. And if they continue sliding right so there was a need to stem that and, and 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 i'm glad they did that it's not a difficult it's not an easy thing it is not. but you needed something like that to um stabilize the currency now somebody else will come and ask mm-hmm. hey but the fed is no longer increasing interest rates yeah so, we so didn't what is advising your your retake exactly um so I think they needed something very dramatic in the sense that dollar holders, because, mm. you know, one of the f- principles of economics right. is people respond to incentives. You have to incentivize. So people will only release those dollars if they get attractive, okay. high interest rates on shilling. And that's why they had to do something like that. That's why they could not do a 50 basis uh-huh. points. They needed something dramatic to bring points. stability. So it's, it's a short-term pain, but I think the benefit of it, it will bring some stability on the currency side. Then at least now we can start focusing, because if you don't have price stability, right. it's very difficult. You're always, you're always chasing a moving target yeah. when you have a ex- sliding exchange. So I think they needed to address that. So it's good to see that uh, they've had to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously it will have some short-term pains, yes. um, not least for businesses. Exactly. And and. I have like two questions off of that, right? So it's a good thing and it is well going to incentivize the dollar dollars to flow back into the mar- economy. But having where we are in the global economy, do you think and I know this has happened, I mean it's nothing new. Has this worked before? Is it going to work? Number 2, is short-term pain. How long is short-term? And then we are looking at the at the background of such a strained economy that the non-performing loans are now way much high and we can see also banks, you know, straining. So is it has that upside, but ha- what happens in moving forward? Yeah, so the first part of your question is, has it happened before? Yes, it has. Uh, back in 2011, mm-hmm. we were in a similar situation. At that time, Njogo uh, Nandongo, the current CS, was the governor right. of the central bank. And the shilling was sliding. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was r- remarkably tad. You know, when Kibaki came into power, the dollar was about 79 um, shillings to oh, the shilling. Back then. And for most of Kibaki's term, it went. It was in the 80s. Uh, but in 2011, both because of geopolitical and local events, it started sliding significantly. And we, we crossed into 100 briefly. Mm-hmm. So Central Bank had to make a bold move at that time, and they dramatically increased interest rates. Right. And that brought in some stability of sort. Mm-hmm. So... It it, 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 it it does work yeah. um, because investors are, are, are rational right. and they're able to calculate what is called interest rate parity. 
Now, to your second part is, will that affect the non-performing loans in the industry? Obviously, it will be a challenge. Mm -hmm. Many banks right now are talking of 15, 16. Even some banks are doing 17% Mm -hmm. non-performing loans. So obviously, um, that will be a bit of a challenge. I've not gone through the full communication, but if you go back to a couple of those, that episode where Mm -hmm. we talk about this, I said, and you asked me the same question. Right. And I said the way out of it is you lessen what is called the cash reserve ratio. Right. And the central bank really has what is called a cash reserve ratio. This is the percentage of deposits yeah. that are stored in the central bank. Yeah. And every bank has to maintain a certain, a certain monthly average. True. So they could say instead of maintaining a monthly uh, average, you could maintain a two-month okay. average, which gives you a bit more latitude mm. to use more cash okay. for provisions. That's one one way out of that uh, difficult scenario. Mm -hmm. Uh, But of course, definitely, it's going to present a strain on growth. It's going to make capital a bit more expensive. Uh, But it's sometimes the price you have to pay for some stability, some price stability. So hopefully, it's not something that, hopefully, especially with the U.S. rate cuts, if they start coming in sooner, Uh even these guys will have latitude to start reducing sooner. So it might not even last as long as we expect but obviously it's uh it's a diff- it was a, it must have been a difficult decision how long would you foresee it being put in effect i think it will be tied to what the fed does uh-huh. if what traders are saying talking of q1 next year right fed starts doing its cut then definitely the cbk will want to move with that window so that difference what is called the parity the okay. interest rate parity is become similar across uh you know what I'm actually really wondering is to a point where government has to make such a drastic decision we our economy is heavily that heavily uh, led by the dollar like that is how intense and you know we have discussed our economy and we actually did mention the NSE and the companies on the NSE and how uh, looking at we were looking at the East Africa community, uh, sorry, the East African markets, and they were saying there's growth, but Kenyan is where you see the performance really improving. And can your response to that was we are heavily our NSE is is determined by very heavy global players. It is my question is it's that heavy it's that heavy to the point of we are going to for lack of a better word strain the local players so that we can get that benefit is that it yeah it's 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 an unfortunate um situation um global linkages cut both ways Mm -hmm. um the benefits is um, we attract a lot of FDI, yeah. so it's easier for FDI to come to Kenya than to our neighbors. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that FDI, some of it is hot money. It, <laughs> it, it, so you, you, it cuts both ways. Okay. You, you benefit, yeah. but when it goes, it goes. It goes. So that's one of, one of the fast. challenges. Yeah. One of the ideas that uh, the president has been championing uh, is uh, the Pan-African Payment Settlement Systems, which um, he launched about... Um, a month ago at Strathmore University. Mm-hmm. And that idea is African countries can, uh, they don't necessarily need to have the dollar. 
if you wanted to buy copper from Zambia, right? You know, we can have an arrangement between the shilling and the mm-hmm. Zambian kwacha, mm-hmm. and have the settlement mm-hmm. in Nairobi. It'll actually be stationed in Nairobi. So I think it's a big win. Okay. Um, Egypt right now. I remember a that few episodes ago yes. we talked about Egypt and Kenya mm-hmm. buttering. Mm-hmm. So if Egypt doesn't have the dollars, um, Kenya needs to sell its tea. Yeah. We need to start having that architecture. For far too long, we've truly been dependent the on the dollars as global reserve currencies. But right now, people are asking, we need to have multiple yeah. avenues of trade so that if one is not available, because remember, currency is a medium of exchange. <laughs> so if it's not, if the medium is not available, then you can't do any exchange. So I think there's a feeling that we need to have multi. We are m- we are moving towards a multipolar world where you can transact in dollars. You can transact in Remnibi, right. you can trans- transact in Zambian kwacha and mm-hmm. the Kenyan shilling. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's it's a healthy conversation and I think hopefully in future we'll have multiple, multiple levels of trading. You know, people, people talk about Bitcoin. Right. You know. And, you know, <laughs> right. I was reading a report when when we were discussing the gold and somehow the gold and the Bitcoin have actually gone up. So it's time. You remember that time when there was a dip in Bitcoin? <laughs> <laughs> the time is now <laughs> to start uh, getting into that because it's really got up, which is absolutely so surprising. Like, markets are so... You, you really cannot tell. You cannot forecast. But, Ken, now that we have discussed about the EAC uh, while, while we are at it, we have a new member <laughs> who joined last week. So Somalia was admitted as a country and I think as we were just discussing, what are the merits of admission? Because we can see it's a, it's a country that has really been rocked by a lot of conflict and was also ranked the most corrupt uh, by Transparency International. And I know, you know, there are people who are going to be like, it's an international body and all that stuff. But what are the merits of admission when they were sitting around on that table? Um, that issue has brought up a lot of debate. Right. Somalia's admission into ESE has many facets. Somalia has the longest coastline in Africa, yeah. about 3,000 kilometers, can provide access to the Arab Peninsula, mm-hmm. fishing, there's a very vibrant livestock segment and also natural gas off yeah. its coastline, uh, which it shares with Kenya. Mm-hmm. So I think the leaders really looked at that uh-huh. and they applied their monetary economic lens when making this decision. But there's also the issue of security. You know, if your ESC means free migration across any of the um, eight countries, so it means you know somebody can easily now walk move, in and walk out. yeah, from these countries. Number two, it was voted the least, uh, the most co- corrupt country, yeah, in the world by Transparency International. Yet, when you look at the tenets of admission to ESE, mm-hmm. they talk about democracy, integrity, rule of law, right? So, one struggles, uh-huh. one struggles to see how. A country that was voted last yeah. in terms of transparency is, has qualified for that. So I think the economic and Kenya played a big role in negotiating right. uh, this. I think the economic um, imperatives were too strong, too sweet. Okay. 
and maybe they overrode some of the other security issues, which I think uh, we still need to uh, consider. And we are looking at mostly energy, uh, key, key to Kenya. That is something that we can really benefit from Somalia. Is that it? You know, Kenya and Somalia have already had a border mm. issue. And mm-hmm. what's yeah. been driving that is a possibility of having huge offshore uh, reserves, mm-hmm. energy reserves. Um, so if that confusion is melts away because of this ESC, uh-huh. and they b- they're both able to uh, you know harvest that energy. Definitely, um, it is a it is a good thing. Um, so it has its economic benefits. Yeah. I mean, Somalia is very strategically placed on okay. the Horn of Africa. Yeah. So from a shipping perspective, from livestock, they c- they you can do so much with the Arab world right. um, through Somalia. But yeah, one has to consider also the the security. You know, it's 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 outside of Somaliland, which is the most stable part. You know, it's still there are many many areas that um, are still. Uh, in very difficult circumstances. You know, somebody might ask, what does DRC and Somalia, because these are the two edges of the East Africa community. Right. One is French-speaking interior, the other one is Arab-speaking on the right. coast. What do, what do they have in common? Because people always say a community has something in common. S- some resemblance, either a language or heritage. You know, you talk about Kenya, Uganda, and Tanzania, you'll find Maasai's. Yeah. Yeah. In Tanzania and Uganda, you find yep. uh, the western part. You have tribes mm. that cross the borders. But the, as you start moving away, you know, you know, when it came to, it reminds me of a situation back in a few years ago mm. when um, Turkey was trying to apply uh, for admission into the European Union, uh. and um, Pope, Pope Benedict at that time uh, was. Uh, a bit opposed right. to that. You know, Turkey is a um, predominantly Muslim, Muslim country. Yep. Europe is historically yeah. Christian. Yeah, Christian. And I think the argument mm. was that it would be a clash of civilizations <laughs> of sorts. <laughs> I don't know whether, you know, <laughs> our analysts, right. you know, we've just lost Kissinger in the US. Right. So that people used to look at this kind of uh-huh. things. But I don't know if our analysts have looked beyond the economics because life is just mo- no more than economics. It's, it's, it's a fabric. Yes. I don't know if there are some litmus tests that say we have enough in common for us, for to, us to be together because if you create these very different yeah. groups and just smash them together. It's true <laughs> because I think oh, one thing top of mind is going to be the conflict that, that rocks both countries but they also have very heavy natural resources. So... And they're different. They're not the same natural resource. They are very different. So culturally, I'm even thinking religion, very different. Yeah, maybe just, let's say, the resources in terms of the dollars and the money that is probably going to flow in. I I cannot think beyond that. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, well, I think, is 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 there a way that some of these things are measured. So we'll say, okay, we admitted uh, this country into the EAC and we have seen a growth in the community. Is there like a measure or a benchmark? Uh, you know, what I've proposed in the past, because uh, I wrote about something similar yeah. on this in the past, and I looked at Europe. Nice. 
I said we need to separate economic considerations from security considerations. Ah. Mm-hmm. Normally you find the big companies mm-hmm. are the ones that champion the admissions of these countries because they see a larger market. Right. But the people who are not in business uh, can look at things from a security perspective. Mm-hmm. So when you look at Europe right now, you have the EU, right. which is your ESE in terms of trade, it's a community. But you have NATO. Mm-hmm. NATO is more of a security um, okay. alliance. Okay. And NATO and EU are, I mean, they're separate. So NATO has security deliberations and the EU. And I think we need to have something like that. Otherwise, when you conflate the two and start making decisions just based on economics, economics. but you start ignoring the security, the security, then you create. So I think we need two bodies that look at the region both from different perspectives because one can appear oh, wow. to be very attractive but the other one and that's we find NATO when they make the decisions on security and the EU they're, they're going to be having very different reports and, exactly. and outlooks and outlooks. what it is that they're looking out for and they're going to be measuring right. okay uh, Ken I told you you have to be ready because once you're called upon <laughs> 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 your wisdom is going to be very key because these are some of the decisions that actually need to be made and uh, our leaders are going to be listening. But as uh, I'm saying, we're almost coming to the end of our show. We were asked some very pertinent questions. And uh, I was listening to June and Martin. I think it was on Monday. And they had a question. And they were like, all this privatization and all these taxes, how is it going to affect us? How is it going to make my life way much better and there was a report that was in the dailies today Um, I'm going to ask you to connect the two Um, about how banks are struggling and then there was also another report by KNBS that had the 2023 statistical abstract report now where how how am I going to benefit from this? And you know, um, yesterday there was uh, a halt on privatization, and you had actually said it is a good thing. Um, so what is it that we are missing, and how is that going to benefit myself? I mean, from the outlook of we still need to buckle up. I'm going into 2024. Uh, should I? still beat Sherehe this month <laughs> of <laughs> December or now do I start paying all my bills for January now and and, and say you know uh, we do not know for tomorrow so what happens uh, well that's that's quite a bit uh, let's start with uh, the latest document this is a statistical abstract right. that has come from the Bureau of Statistics mm. it was published at 10 in the morning right. today so today has been loaded right with data. I like it, yeah. <laughs> it's perfect <laughs> for financial forecast. Yes. It talks about the number of people earning over 100,000 shillings mm-hmm. a month. Mm-hmm. The growth of that number is slowing down. It's actually slowing down at the slowest pace. Mm-hmm. And the question is why? Yeah. Does it mean there's a lot of people moving to the informal? Because remember, these statistics coming from the formal sector, okay. people who pay, okay. pay. Okay. Yes. But you have a lot of people, you who know. Are in the informal. DJs. Right. Social media influencers. influencers. So one could argue that there's a big 
shift. Informal economy, the okay. gig economy, right. that's there. But one could also argue, which I think is rightly so, is that the economy has been slowing down. It has. It has been slowing down mm-hmm. and employers are not able to increase wages as they would like to. We've also seen the Kenya Federation of Employers also seeing that 70,000 jobs have actually been affected and that there's been a law just as it was in COVID times, years later. Precisely, and that has been tied to taxation. Mm-hmm. You know, the pay slips have taken a hit, whether it's a housing levy, Very. whether it's a pay, yeah. uh, whether it's... The uh, company being able to afford all that, that payroll. Mm-hmm. So I think the taxation has slowed down the economy because it means the purchasing power has that's available drastically has, has drastically reduced. So what does this mean from the macro level? It mm-hmm. means the government needs to consider other ways of growth without burdening people with taxes. Because remember, what what are these taxes going to do? They're going to the government for its own operations, which includes debt service, Mm. paying Mm -hmm. salaries. Mm -hmm. Now, the government, and rightly so, is saying, why do we need to have to raise so much revenue for a bloated government when many of these functions that we are doing can be perfectly be done by the private sector. Right. Why are we raising, why are we burdening Kenyans with so many taxes, ta- ta- tax increases mm-hmm. to raise money to do things that the private sector can easily do, do for themselves? Okay. So the big thing right now is let's privatize. And in philosophy, really, there's something what we call the principle of subsidiarity yeah. that says what can be done at the lowest level should not be done by the higher level. Mm-hmm. So uh, what you're doing needs not to be done by your boss or your boss's boss. So in terms of public finance, it means if something can be done by the private sector, supermarkets, hotels, please offload them. Government has no business. Right. Uh, Taking up such a cost. If something can be done by the counties, the housing program can be done by the counties. In fact, housing is a devolved Mm. function. Why are we having a national housing program when Mm. counties actually the legitimate place? Give those to the counties so that the government is only left with the things that only governments can do. Yeah. Security, justice, law and order. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a big thinking right now. Let's offload. What that will mean is government will be lean. Yeah. It will not need to burden Yambura ah, with that is true. more taxes. <laughs> and <Hallelujah>. actually <laughs> when you privatize, yeah. you make a lot of services efficient. Yeah. You know, Safaricom was a product of privatization. Mm-hmm. Kenjan. Right. was a product of privatization. So and a lot of these companies than the monopolies. exactly okay. would not have thrived had they not been. So I think it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. I think um, uh, the opposition still needs to get the big picture. I think there's that feeling that we might go the Russian way okay. where privatization ends up in the hands of friends and associates of the political class and you mm-hmm. create an oligarchy. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't have to go that way. You can have a very transparent way you can have it it can be above board and multi-sectoral but it's definitely the way to go and what this will do it will create opportunities for private sector right you know we've not done an ipo in about nine years in the u.s in the first six months they've done about 63 ipo so we need to get the capital markets back yeah we need to get private sector up and running Mm -hmm. and just now allow government to just do what government should do. Yeah, yeah. Things that the private public sector goods. cannot do. The public goods, really. Okay. So now we have a, a quick
question for our quick one wakili how is it that this has been halted right but it's a good thing but at the same time housing levy which was declared unconstitutional and i remember the terms were your targeting only one area of the economy you're meant to be target you, know, you you cannot ap- apply a tax like um it was only for the formal right and that one is still in effect but now privatization has also been put on hold it cannot continue but when housing levy was declared <laughs> and even as <laughs> we went to courts we were told go ahead and implement while we wait <laughs> I know I don't have I know you do not have a response <laughs> for that. <laughs> but Ken, um something that you read in the dailies uh, even as uh, we come to the end was that banks have shown a very interesting trend and I remember when I first joined the show one thing and one sector that was thriving and that was employing was banking. So we have seen that they are also seeing a decline in their growth is this also an indicator of how bad the economy is now finally getting like now we can feel it you know before then maybe we could not feel it i mean we could see there is still growth well, it is an indicator and it tells you that our people's ability to service their loans are mm. uh, with all these pay cuts uh, whether it's the levies right. uh, has become limited mm-hmm. and banks always make profits even during covid <laughs> yeah. they made they, they made profits i think the statistic that came out was if you look at um an aggregate mm-hmm. of all their profits in the banking sector it's down 4.6 percent yeah now granted they're about almost 40 banks mm-hmm. um so there are some banks that are way ahead you know yeah the, totally especially the ones that have subsidiaries yeah. Um, the, the KCBs, the equities mm-hmm. that have the DRC, which is a cash uh-huh. cow. Right. But not all the banks have these regional that, footprints, yeah. mm-hmm. so they're depending on Kenya. And of course, Kenya, the challenging environment has been there. So it means as a sector, definitely profits are down 4.6. It's a very, very rare to see bank profits down, yeah. even if it's 4.6%. Uh, yeah. Uh, but it speaks to a strained borrower. Mm-hmm. As borrower, because banks make money from lending. Right. Either there is no demand for mm-hmm. new loans, mm-hmm. or the ones who have already borrowed are struggling. So banks have to provide, they have to put provisions yes. because they expect um, more defaults. Yeah. Now, what happens when the central bank rate has gone up again? again. <laughs> I know tomorrow <sighs> people will be discussing and there'll be all uh, that debate. Can uh, but but indeed, it's it's a time of reckoning. It's a time to rethink mm-hmm. our whole economic model, and I think there's a lot of conversations happening um, in the in, in in the background. Okay, we come to the end, Ken, of uh, another beautiful session of financial forecast. What is our parting shot for today? Well, I think the parting shot should focus on what the OECD told us <laughs> at the beginning. <laughs> Be careful. Take caution. Yeah. As you put your strategy, because everybody's right now is working on their 24 strategy, mm. um, apply cautious optimism. Right. It's always good to have hope and be optimistic, yeah. but apply cautious optimism when you read about these numbers. Mm-hmm. Maybe your target market 
are these people who are earning right. over 100 mm-hmm. Kenya are seeing that number is slowing down. So take time. Don't rush into strategy. Put right. all these things together. Mm-hmm. Look into your sector. Are you in manufacturing? Mm-hmm. Are you in financial services? Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, take caution. Are you in advertising? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are you in trading? <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ken. Uh, so happy birthday. I will be seeing you in uh, Diani. <laughs> like, I can't make a promise. Uh, Diani <laughs> Reef, it is. <laughs> so thank you very much. You can catch this and every other episode of Financial Forecast on Capital FM SoundCloud page and anywhere I guess you podcast from. Financial Forecast is proudly sponsored by Exness. Exness is the world's largest retail broker now licensed in Kenya. You can trade forex, gold, oil, stocks, and indices online, all from the palm of your hand. With Xness app available on the Google Play Store and Apple Store, Xness is proudly sponsored, uh, sorry, licensed by the Capital Markets Authority in Kenya to provide you with the security that your funds are very safe and accessible 24-7 with free deposits and withdrawals. Remember, only locally licensed brokers can ensure your money is safe and you can register with them at www.xness.com. Or through the apps today and join over the half a million traders worldwide who trade with an edge with Xness. Terms and conditions apply from us. It is good evening and have a beautiful week. <laughs>